Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. So glad you found a moment to listen to us today and my interview with George Valenzuela, a consultant, coach, and PBL trainer. Before I launch into today's episode, I want to remind you that our Lunchtime Learning Series kicks off this week. I'm holding a session November 30th, December 1st, and December 2nd at noon Pacific time. If you're interested in learning about changes happening to professional development because of the teacher shortage and how we need to think differently or want to geek out with, say, Google My Maps or learn how to podcast, we have sessions on all of those. Just head over to shiftingschools.com slash store and learn more about each of these opportunities. And if there's one you want to go to but can't make it, well, we'll send you the recording. Just make sure to sign up and use the offer code LLSNEW50. That stands for Lunchtime Learning Series New 50. LLSNEW50. And you can get 50% off, making each session only $15. Special offer just for podcast listeners. Of course, we'll have that code in the show note for you so you can apply it at checkout as well. So check out the show notes for the code and the link directly to where you can go and join me. Also, for school leaders and IT directors out there, I'm hosting a free webinar on YouTube and Twitter on December 1st at 9 a.m. Pacific titled, What Should You Do in 2022? We'll be looking at the big trends that are coming in ed tech, what we need to be thinking about now and to prepare our schools and communities for the future of learning. You can learn more on the homepage of shiftingschools.com. Watch it live there too if you want. Of course, it will be recorded on YouTube and available to everyone for free. Just as a quick uh, kind of tidbit of what I'll be talking about there, one of the things that is coming up after the pandemic is thinking about who's responsible for what technology. A lot of school districts were able to go one-to-one during the pandemic, during home learning time. And what we're seeing is the how that's playing out in communities as we come back to quote-unquote normal school, if that's ever going to actually happen again. And who's responsible now to make sure that there's a laptop both at home and at school? Those are the type of things we're going to be talking about uh, and some of the other trends we're seeing in this community uh, school partnership moving forward. All right. This week, I chat with George Valenzuela from lifelonglearningdefined.com. George has some really great things to say on social-emotional learning and things to think about as educators to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. In this show, he talks about a simple tool to help educators regulate their emotions. You'll find a link to that tool in our show notes as well. A great conversation with an SEL and PBL guru. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our School. So great to have another special guest on the episode. We got George here. He's going to tell you a little bit about it himself when we get going uh, in just a second. Today, we're going to be talking about how are we engaging our teachers with social and emotional learning and be talking about some project-based learning. So, George, welcome to Shifting Our Schools. 
Hey, Tell us a little bit about where, where are you from? What's going on in your life right now? I'm doing really good, Jeff. I am right now in Wilmington, um, the home of Michael Jordan. I actually got to visit his high school. And it's amazing. Cool. Nike, I mean, it's amazing what Nike has done there with the gym and all the sneakers on the wall and, you know, all his plaques and everything. And I'm feeling really, really inspired. So I'm an education coach out of New York. I live in Virginia. I've been in education 18 years. I've been a classroom teacher, online teacher, a district administrator, nine years, and also as an education coach, author, and advocate. And so I've been to 25 states and over 70 cities, but also everywhere online. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I do that and I teach at ODU virtually. Oh, great. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, some of the things you've been in with, with your coaching lately, and we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes to your blog, your website, your Twitter account over at lifelonglearningdefined.com. We'll make sure all of that's over there as well. But uh, talk a little bit about some of the strategies for uh, engaging teachers with social emotional learning right now. What are some of the things that you're kind of coaching uh, instructional coaches on, administrators on, just where do you find we are right now uh, in, in social emotional learning in schools? Yeah, so... What I'm finding as a coach is that we need to know what the pain points are of the people that we're working with. And so what I'm finding is I'm spending a lot of time listening to understand what the needs are. And then I'm drawing from my expertise and from other wells so that I can help them. So it's really a collaboration between them and me and then finding a way to help. And as far as SEL goes, I'm realizing that as schools are working on their SEL plans, they have to understand that we can't be the lead learner when it comes to emotional intelligence, which is the outcome of SEL, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that we have to learn before we can coach young people on understanding themselves, their environment, and other people. And so really, at the top of the list is understanding what emotions are and how they impact the mind, body, and behavior. Number two is being able to recognize and label what we're experiencing at any given moment, especially all of the difficult ones. And lastly is finding a way out. Um, Dr. Sarah Thomas said on my podcast, SEL in Action, she said, it's okay not to be okay, but you have to have a plan out. Mm. And so um, educators need to know how to master their personal and their social competence when it comes to emotional intelligence. And then once they have that, you know, it's like having a recipe in, in, in the kitchen. Before anything becomes a, a mindset, it has to be a framework first. Mm. Then they can take that and those steps and coach young people. Very cool. Are you finding right now uh, just where we are in education with so many things still being in flux and, you know, masks and what everything that's going on. Are there any uh, like general themes that you are seeing as far as these pain points uh, with all the oh, traveling man. you're doing across the nation? Are there some themes that are emerging right now? Yeah. Teachers are fed up. They mm. don't want any type of toxic, you know, of, you know, toxic positivity. Yeah. They, they just don't want to hear it. Um, many people are just not feeling heard, seen, and really unsure of where we're headed in education. 
Yeah. And so when you're in a situation like this, like I was at a school system, you know, a few years back and I was in central office where this happened, we were losing the superintendent. We weren't sure who was coming in and really where, when there's a lot of chaos like that or, you know, uncertainty, you have to govern yourself. You have to govern yourself and do your job. But when we don't know what the job is, because it's changing constantly, I mean, you've got, you know, revolving um, these, I mean, quarantines that are like, you know, revolving. Right. Yeah. You have new mandates, right? You have all these different things happening, masks, you know, all these different things. It's like, okay, am I a teacher or am I a COVID manager? Right. right exactly. So, so, so what I'm finding is this, is that no amount of SEL or emotion regulation is going to solve these problems. So bingo, that in itself is very empowering. Mm. I can't solve these issues because I'm not creating them, but I can control myself. Mm. And so what's happening is this, is that these are very traumatic things in and out of the classroom, you know, you know, difficult um, students, you know, new mandates, all of this is very traumatizing. And I'm not saying it's going to kill people, but it's very taxing. Yeah. And so what I'm spending a lot of time now is after, you know, hearing teachers and what the pain points are is showing them how to deescalate those emotions. And so I'm going to give you an article that we published, I want to say last week or, or the week prior at Edutopia. And there's a tool in there for learning how to manage emotions. Awesome. Right. It's not going to save the world, but it's a step in the right direction. And yeah, it's there. And that's what I'm finding folks need is to understand this is that first we experience an emotion and the emotions that we experience, they can only trigger us if there's something that happened in the past. Mm. And so then it's a feeling. And after the feeling, it comes to mood. After the mood comes our behavior. And so we can kind of learn how to control those pieces. Mm. And so one of the things I'm doing is lots of hiking on the weekends, you know, lots of get together now with families. Like we had a Friendsgiving on, on, you know, Saturday night, and we had a bunch of friends and family that we haven't seen in a while. Right. And that's how I'm restoring my, you know, all this trauma. I'm finding ways of doing things I want to do because if you do what you want to do, that's how you feel happy or you become happy. Right. It's right. Things you love. So, yeah. You got to find way. You got to find ways to fill your own bucket. <laughs> exactly, brother. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Um, that's so good. And I, I, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of the same things across the nation as well with, you know, the consultancy work that I'm doing of just this people not sure where to go. And there's a lot of external to your, I love the way you put that. There's a lot of external pressure that we have no control over as a classroom teacher. You don't have control over the mandates and you know, exactly how far you're like, and there's so much that feel like it's being done to you that it's hard to figure out why you're responding in a way, because you don't feel like you have a lot of control over your everyday life. And no one likes to be told what to do. Yeah. Especially when they don't know what, how to do what you do as, as good as you. 
right it's insulting in a way right yeah um but i'm jeff i do want to say man like like you're doing great work and i appreciate you inviting me man <laughs> yeah, well thank you man that is so good um talk a little bit about pbl and the work that you do with pbl yeah so schools are really looking for innovative teaching and so i think that there's several pathways to innovation so in my world that could be environmental education computer science stem um, activism, right? It's different yeah. pathways of being innovative. But the thing is this, you need a structure, a teaching structure for that innovation. And that's PPL. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, or I still am a national faculty of PPL works, formerly known as Buck Institute for Education. And so I spent a lot of years just like, you know, you know, traveling and right. learning about you know, about education in so many different contexts and through PBL. And so I got my own masterclass on it now. And in my masterclass, we're incorporating things like emotional intelligence, things that teachers need in order to not just do PBL right, but to do teaching and life right. Awesome. And so, yeah. And so I'm seeing a lot of success with that. Um, I'm doing workshops every month, every week. Um, Sometimes it's equity and SEL, sometimes it's PBL, sometimes um, it's STEM or environmental education. Yeah. But the whole point is this, is that teachers should really consider the interests of kids and then finding a teaching methodology like a PBL that is going to enable them to have, you know, intellectual challenge and accomplishment, make yeah. a public product work with other people, but in a structured way. And so yeah. that's what we're trying to do, man. Yeah. And I love that. Like, that's one thing that I love about PBL is PBL is really just a structure. And what I'm finding is, is as we're getting back into the classroom, I'm finding that uh, we are more and more open to structures like PBL. And I think, I wonder if part of it is because we're coming back and we're seeing that we have kids at multiple different levels. Not that we didn't before the pandemic, like we always had kids at multiple different levels in our classrooms. But I think we're coming back and we're seeing like, okay, how am I, how am I able to actually meet the individual needs of every student? And you have to have a structure that frees you up as a teacher to allow you to do that. And to me, that's what I like about PBL is like, it frees me up as a teacher. If I've got kids working on, you can call them passion projects, you can call them whatever you want to call them. But the structure really is a project-based learning structure. That frees me up when kids are working on their own to spend more time with kids. That's what I want, right? Like the essential question I've been trying to answer this year is how do I leverage technology and how do I leverage educational structures that allow me to spend more one-on-one time with my students, Mm. right? And anytime I can do that, that is where then we have these social emotional conversations with kids. We get to know kids on a personal level, right? And so trying to find those structures that literally free me up in my classroom is to me, like just one of the mindsets and, and questions I'm constantly thinking about. Yeah. So one structure that, that I like and that I coach educators on, whether I'm doing PBL or not, is the workshop model, you know, Lucy Calkins workshop model. Yeah. Um, and Samantha Bennett has a great, wonderful um, graphic showing this 10, 15 minutes of the mini lesson. And then like 30, 40 minutes of the work time. And if you use learning stations or, you know, learning centers, then you can really help students out, let them work independently, let them work in groups. And you can basically, you know, 
circle the room and help out or even virtually. And then lastly, last 10 minutes is for reflection and, and for, you know, debriefing the project or, or yeah. the work. And so I think if teachers had recipes like that and they learned them, then I think that they would really win back time, but also really connect with young people in a better way. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you for taking a few moments out of your busy schedule. I know you are a very busy man these days. Uh, so thanks for uh, making sure to make some time for us here. Uh, again, we'll have all the links in the show notes to uh, George's blog and his uh, Edutopia profile where he has that tool for you to kind of use and uh, over on Twitter as well. Any other place you want us to, to a shout out to? Oh man, no, I think you got it all, man. All right. That sounds good. Thanks for spending a couple minutes with us today. Appreciate it. No, no problem. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.